Hello, welcome, friends. Today, in this very special episode of uh, Gender Equality Talks Live, um, uh, special because in um, hardly two weeks uh, ahead of us, we will have the International Family Planning Conference happening in Thailand, as well as the the world will be observing a very important event, which is uh, uh, the uh, uh, war to 2022, which is like uh, the a global observance on antimicrobial, uh, against antimicrobial uh, resistance. So we have Dr. Ishwar Gilada amongst us. Dr. Ishwar Gilada, as all of you know, is among the first uh, uh, medical doctors who began HIV care in the country in India, uh, when the first case got diagnosed, so he's the longest serving HIV medical expert. But more importantly, even before the first case got diagnosed uh, of HIV in the country, uh, Dr. Gilada was one of the very strong voices of reason and of you know of, of uh, uh, medical conscience and ethics in the treatment of sexually transmitted infections, and especially in context of key populations like transgenders and uh, or hijra community in India, and a lot more. So I. Uh, the, let us listen to Dr. Ishwar Gilada. He, uh, just to remind uh, you all, he's uh, been elected again to the Governing Council of International Aid Society, IES, uh, from Asia-Pacific, and he heads the Aid Society of India, as well as uh, the Secretary General of Organized Medicine Academic Guild. Welcome, Dr. Ishwar Gilada. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Sir, we know that you are very busy, so let us straight dive into the issue. Please tell us, sir, uh, have we really done enough to prevent uh, the spread of sexually transmitted infections apart from HIV? Over to you, sir. Uh, you see, uh, STD has been long neglected. Uh, if you, I recall uh, in 1987-88, when I looked at what is the budget allocation for STD, because that time there was no budget allocation for HIV in India, and that was 33 lakhs rupees. Uh, which is uh, in uh, Thai language, uh, half of that, that is 16 lakh or 1600,000 uh, Thai baht for the entire country. And that time the country's population was um, around 110 crore, uh, we can say 1100 uh, uh, million. So it was very, very neglected topic. Secondly, um, uh, the post-graduation in STD has been clubbed with skin. And uh, when you talk about uh, post-graduate in skin and STD, that means People are more interested in skin, where there is a lot of uh, money available for skin in private practice because they can do laser and a lot of cosmetic treatment. And uh, unfortunately, people do not want to pay for emergencies. People do not want to pay for uh, some kind of good treatment, but they can pay for cosmetics. They for looking better. They can pay in millions. So a lot of doctors who are in this field of uh, skin and STD, which are combined specialty they neglect STD because they don't get much in STD. And thirdly, uh, STD was mainly a problem for a developing country like India and entire Africa. And uh, there has been always two worlds. One is there and one is ours. And uh, people uh, who were doing research and uh, any kind of development, they were mainly white people, mainly in the north of the world. And they thought that Africans are kind of substandard people. So they develop only syndromic management of STIs. And I think that syndromic management is a culprit of developing antimicrobial resistance in uh, Africa and uh, uh, almost every place where they have been doing syndromic management. So that is the reason that STD has been neglected both uh, by the medical community and the governments where they did not put much of uh, budget and uh, everything depends on budget. If there is no budget, nobody is going to look after STD. 
Yes, sir. Totally. And sir, now coming to the an interesting part, please help us understand of uh, the link between antimicrobial resistance and uh, STDs. So is antimicrobial resistance posing a problem? Um, like are STDs becoming untreatable, difficult to treat? Uh, how big is the problem, sir? Uh, firstly, let us understand when you are managing STD, uh, how do we reach at a diagnosis? By and large, STDs are in two group, three groups. Uh, one which are to be found in blood and one which are to be found in the genital area. So these are two broad groups. What we can find in uh, blood is HIV, hepatitis C, hepatitis B and syphilis. And all others are indirect uh, way, like we can find antibodies to uh, HSV or uh, herpes, antibodies to CME, but they are indirect. But directly we can find only these four. All others, what we can find, we, there are broadly 20 STIs. So other 16 STIs plus syphilis can be seen also in the other group. So there we are subdividing, subdividing them into three groups. Number one, ulcer. So ulcer is a, like a wound and it can be a small, it can be big, it can be painful or painless, it can be single or multiple, or it can be good looking or dirty looking. So you'll say, how, how is a good looking wound? Yes, good looking means it's a red, um, beefy red, and when you touch it comes the blood. But when you talk about dirty wound, it smells, foul smelling. It looks uh, with a dirty granulation tissue. It can be gray color uh, or white color or yellow color granulation tissue or green color granulation tissue. The uh, second group is of discharge, urethral discharge. And that discharge can be again into four different types. One is a sticky, colorless. One can be white, one can be green, and one can be yellow. And depending on that, we can subcategorize whether it could be gonococcal, it could be chlamydia, it could be candida. So we can uh, subcategorize, but it is very difficult to uh, subcategorize only based on the color. The third group is of that of growth, and the growth can be cauliflower-like growth, which is what, uh, or it can be skin tags, or it can be uh, uh, what you call pearl-like growth with the central dimpling that is molluscum, and molluscum is caused by the uh, virus which is from the same family which is causing monkeypox. So it's a uh, molluscum virus. Uh, third is a blister. Blister come either one, but mostly it is uh, coming in groups and they come on a burning skin uh, and that is herpes. So broadly, they are divided like that. So when you divide broadly, then you can uh, reach at some kind of uh, conclusion where the test is required. For example, if you see a blister, which is burning and uh, uh, it has a history of, all these are happening in the 90 days after exposure. So it can happen in nine days, it can happen in 90 days, it can happen in one or two days also like gonorrhea or chlamydia. So when you categorize them, then it becomes uh, like syndromic management. A person has a discharge, you treat them as chlamydia as well as gonorrhea, you give X, uh, X antibiotic and patient will heal, may not heal, come back again, you go to second level. Similarly for ulcer, an ulcer can be because of syphilis, it can be because of chancroid, it can be because of donovanosis or which is called granuloma inguinale, it can be because of herpes. So there are n number of ulcers there. Again, by and large, you manage symptomatically and that is a syndromically. But when the uh, investigations are available, when you can train people, I don't think it is difficult to even train African people. So what has happened basically, as I told in the beginning, that uh, people in the northern part of the world, they consider uh, Africans or uh, uh, people from the developing countries as subhuman beings. And they said that they don't have brain, they don't understand. So they never taught them. When I went to Africa, when I did the training, 
even for HIV, they said, sir, we have been told it is not your cup of tea. I said, no, it is not. It is your cup of tea. It is my cup of tea. And I have a South-South collaboration in my mind and my behavior. I will teach you how to manage HIV, how to manage STI. And I trained them. And at the end of the training program, some of them really wept. They said, sir, you are treating us as a doctor. I said, if you have an MBBS degree, you are a doctor. Whether you are a doctor from South or North or Africa or America, it doesn't matter. Uh, you have a basic degree. I will teach you. And they said, sir, these people from uh, so-called developed countries, they never treated us as equal. When they came here for some research projects, etc., they asked her to sit there and then uh, write prescription, write this, explain to the patient. But they never allowed us to do anything. So if, if you treat them as subhuman beings, then you cannot expect them to work at par with you. So treat them, train them, and then you can diagnose cases. Uh, most important is history taking. Second is examination or inspection. So you do inspection, you do examination, and find out what kind of ulcer it is, whether it is a nodular, it is um, uh, soft or superficial or deep. You can make out. And then you do uh, investigations. It is okay that uh, when the investigations were not well developed, uh, CBNet was not available, PCR techniques were not available, uh, or ground glass microscopy is not available. So at that time, syndromic management, uh, giving treatment is cheaper than diagnosing. It's okay. But now we are in 2022. So at this time also, if we consider the same prevailing scenario, which was there 40 years back, 35 years back, we are making a big mistake. So we should develop some kind of techniques and uh, cheaper diagnostic techniques. So I have been suggesting always to some pharma companies that why can't you make a three-in-one test, uh, which can be used for uh, in blood banks or in STI clinics. So for example, one test should tell whether that person is STI positive or not. In that, we can have only three or four tests. And then if it is positive, then we can do subcategories. So in a one single, single blood, you can find out whether the person is HIV positive or hepatitis B positive or hepatitis C positive or syphilis positive. Or if that says only STD positive, then you can subcategorize. So I think we should develop such kind of techniques where we can diagnose easily at low cost. And with uh, the CBNAT technique and PCR technique or technology and indirect tests which are available, I think we, are, we can come to fairly diagnosis of STIs and then treat them appropriately. By not doing that, what we have done, we created a lot of resistance. Firstly, we are not diagnosing. Secondly, we are not preventing well because uh, after the PrEP has come, pre-exposure prophylaxis for prevention of HIV, we have been telling PrEP has come, it can prevent you from HIV, but it doesn't prevent you from STIs. And PrEP is not replacement of condom. Condom prevents you from 2021 STIs, but PrEP will prevent you only from one infection. So PrEP has to be used in addition to uh, barrier protection like condom, whether it's male condom or female condom, but that has been not well emphasized and therefore STIs are increasing and because of the uh, explanation I gave you earlier, they are not only increasing, there are STIs which are resistant in the first place, which is the primary resistance. So, sorry, sir. Yeah. So, um, sir, I know you are short on time, but can you just also please also help us understand the how drug resistance is affecting HIV, uh, the progress we are making in HIV sphere? Yeah. See, uh, in HIV also, there are very few well-trained doctors who are practicing full-time HIV, whether it is India or in many other countries. So, uh, but doctor by birth 
uh, by uh, uh, what you call temperament will not say he doesn't know or she doesn't know so when the patient comes so i have hiv i'll manage maybe uh, he will ask the patient to sit outside and go and google around and find what are the treatments available so there are n number of doctors who have been treating hiv patient with one drug or two drug or same old drugs which are uh, already been registered or uh, uh, patients have been registered secondly we created a man made resistance in hiv patient by using nevirapine single dose nevirapine for prevention of mother to child transmission and from the very beginning we have been saying that please do not use that drug as a single drug it has been causing lot of resistance and with a just single drug also resistance to the level of 50 to 70% has been caused to nevirapine and resistance to nevirapine is not only to nevirapine it is also to the group which is uh, uh, what you call uh, 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 group with the ifavirenz and with uh, nevirapine and with the nilpivirin so when you are causing the resistance of uh, uh, three drugs just because of using one tablet it, it has been a great harm has been done to that class of uh, antiretroviral drug and then there were medicines which were like um uh, azt or 3tc fortunately there is a very uh, uh, there may be resistance to 3tc or lamivudine but even with that resistance you can still use that drug and that is a wonder drug but other drugs which are already resistant they have a drug resistance at that particular resistance and they also have a class resistance so class resistance can be uh, in a group of three four drug and it can be one drug or two drug so that class resistance so we cause resistance by inadvertent uh, use of or uh, knowingly using of a single drug nevirapine number two uh, what do you call uh, uh, just a kind of a uh, irrational treatment of hiv patients without understanding and thirdly because of the um, or positioning that in us and in europe they do a drug resistance test or dst test before they start the art so they can use the drugs which are going to work but in a country like india or thailand or any of the developing countries we are using a deductive logic and we are using a new drug uh, which is supposed to be non resistance uh, almost 99% people is sensitive uh, though there has been now cases that there is also resistance being developing to uh, dolutegravir so once we this newer drugs have come then drug resistance has been taken care of properly but there are a uh, lot of medicines in art uh, or antiretroviral where they have a transmitted drug resistance or primary drug resistance and that can be from 5 to 10% so it has been saying uh, or international understanding in science that if transmitted drug resistance is more than 5 to 10% then either you should do drug resistance testing or you should use integrase based uh, integrase inhibitor based regimen which is uh, either raltegravir or dolutegravir or bevtegravir and fortunately the uh, with the who dictum as well as the understanding of the western uh, countries uh, uh, experience lot of people have uh, started this dolutegravir based regimen because that is available as a three in one regimen or a, a single tablet regimen and uh, for that also we must salute indian indian pharma companies that they are able to give this three in one combination at 1 to 2% of international cost and today whether it is a dolutegravir based regimen or other regimen uh, more people more millions of people have been saved than they have died only because of intervention of india and indian pharma companies 
Thank you, sir. Sir, uh, you have already uh, indicated on the prevention of antimicrobial resistance and the use of rational drugs. Is there anything more we would like to add on how to curb antimicrobial resistance in context of STDs and HIV? So I think we should do a pro because we, uh, we cannot always blame patients. We cannot always blame authorities. We cannot, cannot always blame those who are, which are making guidelines. Uh, we should train medical caregivers properly. Uh, uh, both uh, by way of uh, 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 formal training and by way of uh, up-to-date knowledge. So whenever some new thing comes, like even today also we see prescriptions of uh, AZT being used, we see prescription of nevirabine being used, we see the prescription which are using outdated drugs or they are using two, three different drugs. So I think this kind of practice should stop. And rather than making it stop, we train... If we find out that we have some, say, 100 such odd prescriptions, you catch hold of those doctors and say that we are doing a program for training you. And probably they would be interested. 70-80% of them will be interested. So train them. And after you are done them, and despite that something is happening, then you start taking action against them. Because if a, a medical caregiver is creating a resistance, I think that is the worst thing to happen anywhere. And secondly, we should do a proper diagnosis. We should use those drugs which are uh, either robust like a dolutegravir or darunavir, which are resistance proof. Uh, maybe one to two percent resistance is there, but by and large they are resistance proof. And then we add a backbone. And uh, I sh we should also look at can uh, rather than three drug regimen, two drug regimen can be there. And there's a uh, single tablet available for two drugs like dolutegravir and uh, lamivudine. So I think we should spend more time in such thing where rather than three drug, can two drug be used? Rather than older drug, can newer drug be used? Can there be different combination? So I think by doing that, we can prevent both in HIV and similarly in STI. And lastly, uh, if that is not done, then we are going to face a problem of both primary resistance and secondary resistance. Primary because it is already primary. Uh, it is transmitted drug resistance. We have not done any drug resistance testing. We kept on using that drug along with another drug. And because that was a if suppose out of three drugs, two drugs are resistant and you are using one drug which is potent, even that potent drug will become important after a couple of months or a couple of years time. So we have created that resistance and that should be stopped. Right. right. Thank you, sir. And, uh, and finally, your message for the forthcoming International Family Planning Conference. Thank you. And sorry, and as well as uh, the World Antimicrobial Awareness Week. Thank you. So you see, uh, this family planning international conference, which is happening uh, later this month, and uh, Antimicrobial Resistance Week, which is organized uh, and celebrated and observed by WHO, they are very important events. Now, uh, usually, when we talk about STIs, they are either diagnosed by STI specialist or diagnosed by family planning or uh, gynecologist or uh, women specialist. Because most of the women, they do not go to STD specialist. They go to gynecologist where when uh, while examination they find something and then diagnosis is made and not only that by doing a pap smear they can prevent lot of uh, papilloma virus infections it can also cause cervical cancer so by uh, looking at these issues the family planning program should become robust they should encompass a little bit training and update on stis also encompass how stis can be best managed and best treated how to uh, prevent resistance and also look at a comprehensive health uh, as a package rather than only. And I think the entire um, uh, goal or uh, principle behind family planning or family welfare was a comprehensive health. It was never to just restrict um, uh, 
birth of children. So that was a wrong concept, if at all. But so in India, rather than family planning, they call family welfare. And that means a comprehensive health care. So, uh, and lastly, condom use has been only propagated after uh, HIV threat came in. So when we started condom promotion in, uh, I think in large uh, quantities, it was around 89. And in the red light area, we could not distribute more than five condom. And within a couple of months time, maybe years time, there was a stampede to get condom. Why? Because they realized that by using condom, they were not getting STIs. By not getting STIs, they were not going to doctors. They were not spending on their healthcare. Uh, and they are able to save even in sex workers. So if that could have been done properly by family planning department, we could have prevented a lot of STIs, which was not done. So, and because mostly, and family planning uh, department program or at the top level was run by male and they were saying, oh, utilize this for female. And uh, they never emphasized that male should use condom. So it was always vasectomy versus tubectomy, it was 95% by 5%, 95% tubectomy, hardly 5% vasectomy. And same thing, uh, you, you, you don't want to get uh, any STI for pregnancy, you do coitus interrupters, you do other techniques, but I'm not going to use anything because I don't, do not enjoy with condom. So that attitude was changed only after the STI came in. So now at least emphasize properly both male and female condom usage, which are good barrier protection. They protect almost 20, 21 STIs, not merely HIV, and also promote hepatitis B vaccine, which is not done. And uh, just like uh, antimicrobial resistance, going to be a big pandemic in the uh, globe, is going to be a bigger pandemic than HIV of hepatitis B. And it is a vaccine-preventable infection. It is 10% prevented through a couple of, uh, maybe just a $2 or something, uh, $1 you can get one vaccine. Uh, India is a vaccine uh, capital of the world and can provide vaccination all over the world. So promote hepatitis B vaccination, both amongst your doctor community and uh, uh, all your patients. So they should be all protected because once you take three doses, you are protected for entire life. You don't need to re-vaccinate. I think if that is done, that will be a greatest service your family planning community could have done to the globe. Thank you. Thank you so much, sir. Very important message on comprehensive health as well as thank you for mentioning hepatitis B as well. And, and that is a very missed opportunity, yeah. a huge missed opportunity. And let us hope that with just 97 months left for sustainable development goals and global health security is so integral to that, Dr. Gilada's message on hepatitis B will not be missed by the policymakers worldwide. Thank you again, sir. And um, all the best for, for today and beyond. Thank you. All the best. Thank you.